0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We see in John 13, we see a a very uh, interesting passage, it's an unusual passage, and it is an event that takes place where Jesus and his disciples are gathered together for a meal. Now, this is not just any meal. This is a special meal. This is a, a, the Passover. This had a very uh, a significant uh, spiritual uh, meaning and impact. And, of course, we've talked about where that Passover feast came from. It goes all the way back to the time in Egypt when the children of Israel were instructed to, to put the blood over the doorposts of their homes. And when the angel of death passed through the land, God promised that the angel would pass over those homes that had the blood applied. And it's a great reminder, I think it's worth saying again, that only the blood of Jesus saves from sin. And only the blood of Jesus is going to keep you and me from the judgment and the wrath of a holy, righteous, almighty God. And I'm glad that the blood has been shed and the blood has been offered. All you have to do is be willing to accept it. All you have to be willing to do is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and believe and do it his way. And so this is a feast of the Passover, John 13 and verse 1, and we see that this was a very special time that Jesus had with his disciples. Now, by the way, I don't think the disciples realized just how close it was going to be before Jesus was going to go to the cross. Now, Jesus knew, and this was the last time that Jesus and the disciples would be together. Now think about this. Those disciples had given everything. They had forsaken everything. They had sold everything. They had turned their back on everything to follow Jesus. They had lived with Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. They had talked with Jesus. Uh, They had eaten with Jesus. I I don't know exactly what to compare it to. Um, I would say this, I know when I was in college, I know that I had some roommates in college that we lived together. We went to class together. Uh, We worked on ministries together. We went to church together. In some cases, we worked jobs together. And so I would liken it to something like that. Imagine the closeness. Imagine the bond that you would have with somebody after three and a half years of being together every single day. And Jesus knows This is the last meal. This is the last time that he's going to be with these disciples in this setting. And we see that Jesus, verse number four, he rises from supper. Now, some would argue and say that's a sacrifice to get up in the middle of your meal, right? Most of us like to finish our meal and say, when I'm finished, then I'll take care of whatever. But Jesus rises up from supper The Bible says that he casts off his his garment, his outer garment, which would have been uh, probably like an outer robe. And the Bible says that he took a towel and he girded himself. And the Bible says that he poured water. Oh, I've got some water up here. He poured some water into a basin. Now, lest you get worried, I I'm not planning to wash anybody's feet tonight. That's why we have assistant pastors. And I was trying to think of which assistant pastor would do the best job. And I thought, well, Brother Dan, he could wash the feet of the teachers. That'd be a great act of service, you know. And then I thought, we we can't have the new guys. We can't make them do it. And then I thought, Brother Nathan, The teens, what a great example this would be because how many of you know youth pastors do all kinds of crazy stuff anyway, right? So this wouldn't be out of the ordinary. Uh, I couldn't find soap for your feet, but I did find some liquid hand soap and I assume that would work uh, just as well. But um, I'm not gonna wash anybody's feet. But Jesus did. And here's the amazing thing that Jesus gets up from the supper and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, this was not uncommon in that day that someone would wash feet. But the person that washed feet was the lowest servant in the house. It was the low man on the totem pole. You see, the disciples, they could have come in and maybe some could say, well, the disciples, and they love Jesus and and, and they follow Jesus so they could wash his feet. But that's not the way it worked. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, He got down on his knees and he got down with his hands and began to wash the feet of these disciples. The Bible says that Peter protested. And by the way, I think I would have protested too. First of all, I wouldn't want anybody else touching my feet. And secondly, I'd say those feet are filthy. There's in Bible days, They didn't have the luxuries we have today of socks and shoes. They had sandals. They walked on dirt roads, and and their feet would just be absolutely filthy. And Peter says, Lord, no, you can't wash my feet. Then Jesus said to Peter, verse 8, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Peter said, Well, in that case, Jesus, I want you to wash my whole body. And I know we, we we laugh and we say, well, what a foolish statement. But I thank God for the desire of Peter. He said, Lord, I want every part of you. I, I want to be committed to you. I want to be 110% on board. I want to part with you. And I hope that we're here tonight and I hope that that's our desire to say, we want to be identified with Christ. We want to be associated with him. We want to follow him. But Jesus explains to Peter, verse number 10, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. This is an amazing passage of scripture because what it demonstrates is that Jesus is saying, once you've been clean, once you've been cleansed, once your sins have been washed away, you don't have to do it over and over and over again. You only got to be cleansed one time for salvation. salvation. But as we walk through this life, can I tell you, we are in this world. We're not supposed to be of the world, but we are in this world. And as we walk through this world, our feet get dirty. The custom of the day was that before a guest would come to a meal like this, they would already be bathed, they would already be clean. But in order to get to the, the home of the guest, their feet would get dirty. And so that, 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 that master of that home, he would have a servant that would wash their feet. Their bodies were already clean, but their feet had gotten dirty just from the travel to get from point A to point B. Can I tell you what Jesus is saying here? You don't need to get saved over and over and over and over again, but you need, do need to confess your sins every day. And we do need to confess our sins. And we do need to have uh, the, the, the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and keeps us in fellowship with him every day. Verse number 11, for he knew, oh, excuse me, verse number 10. And Jesus said, and ye are clean, speaking to his disciples, but not all. So what does that mean? That he's signifying that there was one of the disciples who was not saved. And that we know as Judas. Verse 11, for he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? Verse 13, ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and master have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verse uh, Number one, I want you to notice a few thoughts from this passage. I want to explain it, and I want to give you some takeaways, some thoughts that I hope will be a help to you. Number one, I want you to see in this passage the event. The event was the feast of the Passover. This was a special time. This was a significant time. This was going to be the last time that Jesus and his disciples would be together like this. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus was not focused on himself. He was focused on others. You know, that's a good way to come to church. That's a good way to show up on Sunday night and say, I'm not here just for what people can do for me, but I'm here for what I can do for somebody else. That'd be a good way to come to Sunday school on Sunday morning. That'd be a good way to come on Wednesday night. That'd be a good way to come to teen spectacular for our young people. That'd be a good way to go to school this week. Say, who can I help? Who can I be a blessing to Uh, not all, all about me and not all about what I want, but, but how can I serve? And Jesus was focused on the disciples, not on himself. The Bible tells us that Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Galatians 2.20, Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. I want to ask you, who have you given yourself for this past week? Jesus knew that these disciples, within about 24 hours, they would betray him. Jesus knew that he was doing something for the disciples that he was not going to get in return. But yet Jesus was still willing to go the extra mile and to serve these men in his midst. This was an event. This was a special time. This was going to be the last time. You know, I wonder if we would approach our lives, and I wonder if we would approach our schedule this week and realize that this could be our last week. Now, you say, oh, don't be so morbid. I'm not being morbid. That rapture could happen this week. That trumpet could sound this week, and we'll we'll all be out of here. And can I tell you, we don't know when that time is coming. We don't know when that last church service is going to be. You don't know teens when it's going to be the last teen spectacular or the last Sunday school. And you don't know when will be the last time to serve God. We don't know when will be the last time to be with our family and friends. But how about we make the most of it and how about we focus not on ourselves? And well, I'm not going because I don't like whatever. How about if we go and say I'm going because I want to be a blessing to somebody else? I think about the last phone call, and I've I've told you this story before, but I think about the last phone call I ever had with my dad. I had no idea when his last day would be, but I was coming home from, I was coming back to the church from lunch, and I pulled right here in this little parking lot, and I parked where I usually park during the week. And I sat there, and I had texted my dad the day before about Sunday and how his services went, and he had texted back. But uh, I called him that that, uh, Monday afternoon, right after lunch, I called him. I sat right there in that parking spot for about 20, 30 minutes or so, and we just had the best conversation. I didn't know that that would be the last conversation I'd ever have. And you don't know this week if this will be the last conversation you'll have with a loved one. You don't know when it'll be the last birthday. You don't know when it'll be the last Thanksgiving, the last Christmas. But wouldn't it be great this week if we just said, we're going to make the most of every opportunity? We're going to live every day as if it were our last. You say, but pastor, I've got a family member. I've got somebody and I've tried to reach out and I've tried to do whatever. and, And they don't reciprocate it. You can't force a relationship on somebody, but you can love them. You can do your best to reach out. And then you can reach out to people who do love you and people who do care about you and people who do need you and don't have a pity party about how rough your life is and how bad everything is. Focus on the blessings and the goodness of God. God is so good. But I see that Jesus had this event, this Passover with his disciples. It was the last time. Number two, I see not only the event, but I see the end. The Bible says when Jesus knew, (laughs) it's amazing to think, but when Jesus knew, verse number one, that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. Jesus knew that his time was coming to an end. He knew that he was getting close to the cross. This was the reason he came to this earth. He knew that his time was come. I wonder this evening, I wonder why is it that God has put you on this earth? I wonder what is God's purpose for you. I wonder what is God's purpose in your life. I'll tell you this, as far as I know and the best of my ability and as far as I know, I'm exactly where God wants me to be and I'm doing my best to do what God wants me to do. And can I tell you, when Jesus comes back or when I breathe my last breath, I want to be fulfilling the purpose that God has given me. Can I tell you, we all have a purpose. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. You don't have to be a pastor. Say, well, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not a singer. I'm, you don't have to be. God's got a purpose for every one of us. God has a plan. God's got something for you. And when Jesus knew that his hour was come, he knew that that was the very reason he came to die on a cross. We don't know when our time on earth will end, and therefore we must live every day doing that which pleases the Lord. I don't know if tomorrow was going to be your last day or my last day, So how about we just live tomorrow and live for the Lord? And how about Tuesday? We say, what if Tuesday is the last day? We don't know if Tuesday is the last day. Let's live Tuesday as if Jesus Christ were coming back on Tuesday. Let's live, not just for right now, but let's live for the end. Let's live for the finish line. Let's stay focused on what God has called us to do. Number one, I see the event here in this passage. Number two, I see the end, but number three, I see the endurance. I see the endurance, not of the disciples. When the disciples were faithless, Jesus was still faithful. And aren't you glad that Jesus is faithful to you? And he's faithful to me. He always has been. He always will be. The Bible says that Jesus, verse number one, he loved them. He loved the disciples unto the end. Now, that doesn't just mean that Jesus loved them until the cross because Jesus' love is an everlasting love. It is an enduring love. It is an abiding love. But what it means is that Jesus loved his disciples until that time, and he loved them beyond that time, and he loved them with everything he had. That phrase, to the end, it means to the utmost. It means with everything, with all that he had. I'm glad that God's love is an enduring love. I'm glad that when I wake up tomorrow morning, I know that God still loves me. I don't have to check the news. I don't have to check the stock market. I don't have to check the sports scores. I don't have to check the weather. I don't have to check on anything because when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm glad I know that God still loves me. You say, but pastor, what if you fail the Lord? What if you disappoint the Lord? If I do, I'll be ashamed, but God will still love me. And if you do, God will still love you. And I'm thankful that God's love is an enduring love. Uh, Forget this nonsense that you've got to work up to a certain level to meet God's approval. You don't have to work up. You never can. You never will. You just have to be faithful and realize that God loves you. And that ought to be the motivation that we need to keep on keeping on. He loved them to the end. He loved Peter, even though he knew that Peter would deny him. He loved Judas, even though he knew Judas would betray him. And I'm glad that God's love is not a conditional love, but it is an agape, unconditional love. I heard a preacher, I'll never forget the message. I was, I was in elementary, I know. It was probably a missions conference. But there was a, a missionary that came from Africa, and he was talking about the horrible things that he and his family had not only witnessed, but the horrible things that they had experienced done to them personally. And I was just a boy, and I remember hearing these stories, and I thought, how in the world are they ever going to go back to the mission field? How are they ever going to go back and minister to those people? that missionary preached that day about the love of God. And he said, I wrote, I wrote it down years ago and I've kept this outline. He said, I want to say that God loves those people who did those things to me and my family. He loves those people as much as he loves you that are here at this conference. That's amazing. That, the, we can't comprehend that. But can I tell you, I'm glad that God's love is an unconditional love. He said this, he said, God's love is ever reaching, He said there's no one that's too far gone. There's no one that's too far of a distance that God's love cannot reach. He said God's love is ever reaching. He said God's love is never failing. Boy, we fail, we drop the ball, we miss the mark, we, we, we mess things up, but I'm glad that God's love never fails. I'm glad that God's love is never failing. And I like this. He said we're going back to reach those people and share the gospel with them because he said the love of God is forever changing. He said the love of God can change those people. And friend, I want to tell you, look at what the love of God has done for you. Look what it's done for me. Look what it's done for our families. Look what it's done for people all around us. Can I tell you, the love of God is forever changing. I want to have that same kind of love. I want to love the Lord with a love that is real and a love that is genuine. But I feel like so many times I come up short. But I'm glad that God's love has never come up short. He loves you. His love is an enduring love. Number three, the endurance. Number four, quickly. I want you to see in this passage the evil. As Jesus is having uh, this feast with his disciples, as he is washing their feet, the Bible says in verse number uh, two and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Say, "Well, pastor, how in the world did Satan put anything into Judas's heart? I didn't think that the devil could control our thoughts and I didn't think the devil uh, could make us do anything. And you're exactly right. The devil cannot control your thoughts. The devil cannot make you do anything. There's a lot of damage that that old devil can do. And so that's why the Bible says that we are to not give place to the devil. If, If you've got a house and you say, well, I really don't want the devil to be in my house. I'll just, I'll let him have a closet. I'll just let him have a back bedroom. I'll just let him be out in the garage. Friend, I wouldn't let him on the property. I wouldn't let him anywhere within 100 feet of your property. I wouldn't want him within 10 miles. I don't want to give any place to the devil. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we give the devil an opportunity to get in and to work. The Bible says we are to make no provision for the flesh. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say to bargain with the devil. It doesn't say to out, Try to outsmart the devil. The Bible doesn't say, hey, teenager, It's okay, you can play with sin and and, and probably you'll be smart enough to get over it and to be, be victorious. Absolutely not. That's a recipe for disaster. The only recipe for success is to resist the devil, to get away from that devil, to run from that devil, to say, I'm not listening to you, I'm not interested in anything you've got to say. But yet Judas, he allowed the devil to have access You've heard the story that the the devil is like that animal uh, that is seeking to get inside the pasture. He's trying to get in to get the sheep or he's trying to get in to get those chickens or whatever it is. And that devil, he'll walk by that gate every day for 100 days if he has to. But he's just looking for one opportunity for you to leave the gate open. And friend, that's why every day you put on the whole armor of God and every day we fight and resist the devil and every day we fight the battle with the help and power of God. I think about the stories of Pearl Harbor. I'm not a a historian by any stretch of the imagination, but anything and everything I've ever read, they all say, somebody let the guard down. Somebody wasn't paying attention. I think about 9-11, and, and now we look and we say, how in the world could this have happened? But can I tell you, maybe maybe we got a little careless. This attack that just took place in Israel uh, by the, uh, the terrorists uh, from Hamas, they've said it, it doesn't seem possible that they could have breached the security in all these places, but they did. And I'm just telling you, the devil's not taking a break. You and I must be on guard. You and I must be sober and be vigilant. And we must stay close to the Lord so we can be victorious over the devil. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. Jesus was not surprised by this. For Jesus, the enemy was not just outside the room. but For Jesus, the enemy was inside the room. And friend, I want to tell you, in our church, the greatest enemy is not without. In our church, Satan knows that if he can get inside, He knows he can do a whole lot more damage from the inside than he can from the outside. And may God help us to guard against the devil. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our heart is deceitful. None of us are exempt. If it could happen to Judas, it could happen to us. May God help us to be on guard. And may God help us to be prepared. I see quickly number five. I see the example of Jesus. Jesus took the towel, he took the water, and he went and he washed the feet of those disciples and he loved them and he demonstrated that love by serving them. For us tonight, if we love Jesus, I think we ought to be willing to serve him. If you love me, Jesus said, then keep my commandments. Notice in this passage how Jesus was thorough in his service. I love this. Verse four, he riseth from supper. And John gives every specific detail. He didn't just say, and Jesus washed the feet. He says he got up from supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel. He girded himself. He poured water in a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Jesus was committed from start to finish. And that ought to be our desire as well. If we're gonna serve the Lord, let's be all in. Let's be thorough, let's be from start to finish. Oh, anybody can start, anybody can start a race, anybody can start a job, but not everybody finishes. May God help us to finish the race that God has called us to. I see the example here, the the example that Jesus gives to his disciples. Verse 15, I've given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verse number 14, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. I'll close with this thought very simply. So Pastor Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, and that was a picture of, of the daily cleansing That was necessary because of of sin and and we need to confess our sins and we need to uh, uh, admit our sins and acknowledge our sins and and don't cover your sin, but but confess it and forsake it and, and let God cleanse you. So we can't cleanse others from sin. So why do we have to wash one another's feet? Why do we have to serve others? Well, what is our responsibility towards others? well we can't cleanse one another I can't cleanse your sin and you can't cleanse my sin only Jesus can do that but I can encourage you and you can encourage me and I can help you and you can help me and I can I can be there to pray for you and you can be there to pray for me and although Jesus is saying that the cleansing that's that's the cleansing that he does from sin. But if we're going to cleanse one another's feet, I think it's like this. We need some people to encourage one another along the journey. You see, anybody can criticize anybody. And by the way, it happens in every church, but there's always a few that they like to go around and it's amazing. They like to tell you all the problems that everybody has. Well, I got news for you. You better pull up a chair. Because if you're going to listen to the problems of everybody, you're going to be there a while. And especially when they start talking about mine. And I I don't know what's going to happen when they get to Brother Dan's, but I'm telling you, you're going to be in for it. You better get a cup of coffee or something. But anybody can do that. But you know, we already know that. We already know we've got problems. But you know what we do need? We do need somebody that will encourage We do need somebody that will be faithful. We do do need somebody that will be helpful. We do need somebody that will be joyful. We do need somebody that will be there to say, hey, you've had a rough day. I've been there, but let me tell you how God helped me through it. And so as we serve others, as we help others, as we encourage others, we do so by following the example of Jesus. I got one more thing I must say. I know I already told you one more. But I got done early this morning in the both services, so I've got a few minutes. Some of you are like, oh no, you're still catching up from a lot of other services. It's all under the blood. So here we go, this is a new day. I see in verse 7, I see that Jesus talks about eternity. Because in verse 7, when Peter was trying to understand what Jesus was doing, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Now, Jesus serving the disciples and washing their feet was really a picture of how he would serve them by giving his life on a cross. And that was just hours away. And so Jesus was telling Peter, he said, there's some things that I'm doing that you don't understand. You can't figure out, you don't know all that I'm doing. And friend, I have to remind us tonight that there's a lot of things that God's doing we don't know, we don't understand. We can't explain, we can't figure it out. But Jesus said, the things that I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter did you know there's coming a day we 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 sing about it we refer to it as the sweet by and by and we'll understand it better by and by one of these days when we get to heaven it's all gonna make sense when we get to heaven and we see what god was doing i think we're going to be blown away i think we're going to be amazed at how god was actually using trials and burdens, and heartaches, and difficulties, and those may have been the very things that you and I needed the most to keep us close to God. And those may have been the very things that caused other people to get saved. And those may have been the things that God used to to be a testimony to somebody at your workplace that you don't even know that you're having an impact on their life, but God knows. Friend, I want to remind you, the things that we do down here, sometimes they don't always make sense. But one of these days, we'll understand it all. One of these days, God's going to, I believe, roll out and say, oh, you remember that time you were going through that? Let me show you what I was doing there. And you know that burden or that trial that you went through that you thought you couldn't make it through? Well, let me show you what I did. Let me show you how that worked out for good for them that love God and for them who are the called according to His purpose. I don't know what you're going through tonight. Some of you, I know, maybe a part or a little bit of your burdens or your heartaches, but I know this. We don't always understand it now, but one of these days, it'll all make sense, and one of these days, we'll be glad we stay faithful and trust in Him. Father, I pray that you'd work in our hearts and help us. Lord, from this message, I pray that we would follow the example of our Lord and Savior, may we serve others, may we help others, may we humble ourselves and not think that we're better than others, but may we recognize that the greatest is not the master, but the greatest is the servant. And thank you for how clearly that was demonstrated in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who became a servant, who took upon him the form of a servant, Became a man to come to this earth so that we could have eternal life in heaven. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Koburnack. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at VBCRR.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.